Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Curtinback. Today we are looking at the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. Our reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard many things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord has, in both the Old and New Testament, granted visions of comfort to select prophets or apostles in order to help them remain steadfast when facing such opposition. This appears to be what our Lord did for St. Paul around the time that he was in Tarsus, that is, after he was run out of Damascus for preaching the gospel in the synagogues, having gotten the religious and secular leaders to the point of kicking him out, and before beginning his missionary journeys. This was not something that he talked about. It was meant for him only, maybe meant to help sustain him amidst all the trials that he would go through when he began his journeys, when he would be faced with slanderous opposition, heretics, and those stirring up strife in the churches. But now, he needed to share. The church in Corinth was being attacked by so-called super-apostles, who claimed to be better in every way than Paul, who first taught them the gospel. These super-apostles were drawing believers away from the true teaching of Christ and to their own teachings, to themselves, to enrich themselves. And so to help combat this, St. Paul begins in the previous chapter to act foolishly by boasting of his credentials, which match and go beyond those of the so-called super-apostles. And so he continues here by saying, I must go on boasting, and begins to tell of how he had received visions and revelations from the Lord, something that the others could not say truthfully. Remember, he didn't want to share them. They were given to him to enshrine in his heart and to hold them there and cherish them there. But now he had to share, however sparsely, and by talking in the third person. He was caught up to the third heaven, more specifically to paradise. And by the third heaven, St. Paul means 
the heaven that is unseen, that which is the presence of the throne of God. For the sky, in Hebrew thought, is called heaven. That's the first heaven. And so is the place where the stars rest, that which we call space now. That's also called heaven. It's the second heaven. The third heaven is what we think of when we hear the word heaven. Here, he was in paradise. The place where the saints of God rest in the church triumphant is and remains until the second coming of Christ when they will be raised from the dead. Surely such a glorious vision would help encourage St. Paul when he was faced with heretics who tried to undo all that the gospel had done in places where he preached and when faced with persistent persecution. But we'll never know the content of these visions. They were for Paul and for Paul alone. Even in his sharing, he's brief, being careful not to say any of the things that he heard, things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. He only shares his experience to help combat those that are trying to usurp the properly called teachers and supplant Christ. Based on his writing here, he wishes he would not have to share, even a little bit. St. Paul also gives us a warning against those who today claim to receive visions and dreams or take trips to heaven. We must always test the spirits, especially those who try to use such visions as evidence for their novel and false teachings. Such people we must mark and avoid. But St. Paul continues, saying that he will stop talking about these now so that no one thinks he's different from any other Christian. I refrain from it, he says, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. He does not want them to seek after visions and revelations. He doesn't want them to seek after glory. These things are rare in the scriptures. They're not our goal. They are not what we are to seek. They are not where we're to look, and they're not where we're to look for Christ. I will not boast, he says, except of my weaknesses. He could boast, and if he did, he would be telling the truth. But that wouldn't serve the gospel, and neither would it serve his Christian life. In fact, in order to prevent St. Paul from being puffed up with pride, a thorn was given him in the flesh to keep him from becoming conceited by the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given in him in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from becoming conceited. There is an ever-present danger among all of us to pride. Not pride as in joy in one's work, but pride as in arrogance, confidence in oneself rather than God, raising oneself up to glory in oneself. Pride was the first sin of the devil, and it was pride that lay behind the sin of Adam and Eve by putting God's command aside, thinking that they knew better than he did. Even St. Paul was in danger of falling to the sin of pride, of becoming puffed up if he allowed his sinful nature to spin the vision from the Lord as something meant to give comfort into something that pointed to his own greatness. We too must be on guard against pride, lest we be destroyed, or become haughty, lest we fall, as the proverb says. Our sinful nature is inherently prideful, thinking too much of itself, as if it doesn't need the Lord or his salvation, or his correction or guiding. It hurts when our pride is wounded, whether we are corrected or rebuked, or simply exposed to the fact that we're not as great as we think ourselves to be. And while our sinful nature wishes to lash out and get back at times like this, it's better for us to thank the Lord that he's exposed our pride, has exposed our sin, 
so that we may repent. For if we are proud, we rely on ourselves and we're wont to forget the Lord who's our Savior, our Helper, and our Friend, and to attribute to ourselves the things that are His. To keep Paul from this, the Lord gave him a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him. In this we see that the Lord allows us, as his children, to undergo affliction, to be subject to disease and illness, and to be afflicted by Satan within the bounds that the Lord sets. The Lord allows us to be met with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Not because he wants to afflict us with evil, after all. It is said of the Lord in Lamentations, he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. Rather, it's because he knows how best to bring good from evil. He knows how to bring a good outcome for us, whether here or in eternity, from the devil's mendling. And we, like St. Paul, may earnestly plead with the Lord that it be removed from us. We may also be met with the same result, that what we wish and hope and pray for doesn't come to pass. It may seem like a failure because we've failed to get our desired outcome. But it's not a failure, dear brother, dear sister, for the Lord knows what is best for us, even when we don't. He has not cast us off when it seems like our prayers go unanswered. Instead, he is working for the best for us. For what do we know? What we want may be more detrimental to us than what we are going through. St. Paul pleaded three times with the Lord to remove this thorn in his flesh. But the Lord answered, My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The Lord's grace was sufficient for St. Paul, even though he did not get what he desired. Yet it was ultimately for his eternal good, for the grace of God which was sufficient to save Paul, to bring him from his murderous ways into saving faith and preserve him in it, would likewise preserve him and bring him through his afflictions to everlasting life and joy. So too, when we undergo afflictions, when our prayers to be delivered from them seem to go unanswered, know that our loving God's grace is sufficient also for us. For it was by his grace that we've been called to faith, it is by his grace that our sins have been forgiven, it is by his grace that we have the promise of everlasting life, it is by his grace that we have access to his healing words in the scriptures, by his grace that we may receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith when we're facing weaknesses and affliction. For in weakness, God's power is made known. In weakness, his power is perfected. For it was through the weak and the meek that the Lord so often delivered Israel in the Old Testament so that they would know it was the Lord who saves, that the Lord delivered them not their own might or strength. It was in weakness that the Lord came to earth, being born of a virgin and laid to sleep in a manger. It was in weakness that he lived. He had no place to lie his head or call home. It was in weakness that he died, naked upon the cross, bearing all our sin and shame, defeating our pride by his humility. It was in weakness that he called us by the plain word, and in weakness that he regenerated us by the same word connected to simple water. It is in weakness that he feeds us with bread and wine, common staple foods, which deliver the manna from heaven. In all these things his power is hidden, but his power is present, and his power is effective and working. For when we are weak, we have nothing but Jesus. 
The more we decrease, the more he increases. When we are humbled by our afflictions, then Christ is all the more exalted. For then we are faced with the reality that we can't rely on ourselves, but only on him, now and in eternity. In the Lord Jesus we have everything, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, eternal joy and blessings, the kingdom of God and the inheritance of the earth. What need do we have for anything else? What use is there to exalt myself when my Jesus humbled himself to save me? In Jesus, we may be content in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For in Jesus, we have something greater, which will surpass all of these things when he raises us from the dead and brings us into eternal life on the last day by his all-sufficient grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for our sermon from our Savior Lutheran Church. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.